Be the first to know about new Human Nature episodes by signing up for our newsletter. You'll hear about all our other news, too, like other podcasts we're making and the new hobby Aaron's picked up. Sign up at humannaturepodcast.org. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This time, we'll hear about a family who faced enormous challenges, but they got some help from a little faith and a camera. And that was when Oliver really started to show us what a talent he had. When Oliver Hellowell was born in 1996, his mother Wendy discovered that her baby had Down syndrome. And at the time, he was quite poorly. He was a poorly baby. Around sort of 40% of babies with Down syndrome are born with a heart defect, a cardiac difficulty, and Oliver was one of those, so he required open-heart surgery at three and a half months old. There was an expectation that he might not actually survive to reach the surgery, so I did absolutely everything I could to make sure that uh, he was as strong and as healthy as he possibly could be in readiness. When he was um, in hospital, having just had his open-heart surgery at three and a half months old, I think I was really worried that he wasn't going to survive. And while we were there, um, I was aware of other babies who were in there who were actually very poorly and who weren't going to be going home. And I reached a point, I think, where I told myself off for feeling so sorry for myself. (laughs) I said, how dare you feel sorry for yourself when you're going to take your baby home and there are some mums here who won't do that. And I think it was at that moment that I determined not only was he going to survive, but he was going to be absolutely amazing. His progress was very slow and I was told by a speech and language therapist that that he had verbal dyspraxia as well as the speech and language difficulties usually associated with Down syndrome and I was told that it was unlikely his speech would ever be able to be understood by an unfamiliar listener because his verbal dyspraxia was so severe. I was also told by a physiotherapist that his muscle tone, which is hypertonia, was so extreme that he would not be able to take part in any kind of sporting activity or anything as he grew up. What she actually said was, her actual words were, obviously you'll have to try to encourage him to do some kind of physical activity, but he'll never be able to take part in sport or anything like that, obviously, she said. But I'm one of those really awkward people and the more somebody tells me I can't do something or that my child can't do something, the more I think, yeah, right, okay, well, I'm going to show you. I think I just did everything I possibly could. I thought what I need to do is I need to find my my boy's strengths and go with those and let him fly with those and support him with his areas of weakness. And so I learned everything I possibly could about how children learn. I learned everything I possibly could about Down syndrome so that I was equipped to help him make the most of his abilities and be as brilliant as he possibly could be. 
I realised that speech was a problem for Oliver. Speech production was a real problem. So we worked on that. But in the meantime, I was aware that he had to have a way that he could communicate. And so we learned Makaton, which is like a very simple form of sign language. Not not like sign language for the deaf, where you have to spell everything out, because that would have been way too complicated. But Makaton is just a very simple sign language for children. And so I taught him sign language so that he was able to communicate with me even though he couldn't actually speak. And I remember, for example, carrying him into the garden. He must have been about two, two and a half. And we'd gone into the garden and he pointed to a just a, an empty space in the garden under a bush and just pointed to this. And I said, what is it? What, what, what are you thinking? What can you see? And he did the sign for cat, but there was no cat there. And I said, no, there's, there's no cat there, Oliver. What else can you see? And then he did the sign for cat, and then he did the sign for sleeping. And then I remembered that a couple of weeks before, we'd been in the garden, and the next-door neighbour's cat had been sleeping in that space that he was pointing to. So, of course, what he was actually saying was, do you remember there was a cat there sleeping <laughs> a couple of weeks ago? But that wasn't something that he could say. And I remember crying because I didn't even know he could remember things. nature is less overwhelming for him. There are situations, busy places, towns, shops, especially as well when he was younger, that were a bit overwhelming for him and he struggled in those environments. Whereas in when he's outdoors and with nature, he can take his time, he can do it at his own speed, at his own way, and that just works for him. I think nature calms him a little because he can be quite a, a hyperactive fellow. <laughs> My first camera, uh, it was a, a Canon lens because it was a camera that I always had because my dad was a photographer, so I got from him, so that was from uh, landscape and birds, really. Just varied stuff that was packed full of pictures that I loved, really. Well, Oliver's dad, Mike, is a photographer, part-time. He likes to go out and take his photographs out, out and about. And Oliver decided that he wanted to take pictures like Mike. And so first we got him a, a little bridge camera. And he, he took a few pictures of that. He quite liked the idea of taking pictures, but he didn't. He wanted to use Mike's camera. He's looking at this little bridge camera thinking, I don't want to use this little one. I want a big one like he's got with a big lens like he's got. So he wanted to take pictures like Mike. And so... Mike allowed Oliver to use his spare camera, which was a good camera with a spare lens, and that was when Oliver really started to show us what a talent he had. He has a unique and innate talent for um, framing and composition. So I think once Mike had shown Oliver and taught him how to use a camera from a basic point of view, once Mike started to try to tell Oliver, you know, if you were stood here, this is the sort of picture you would take or perhaps you'd want to look at that, Oliver just would say, no, I don't want to do that, I want to do this. So what Oliver wanted to take pictures of was entirely from him. 
And so we would have instances, for example, where Oliver and Mike would both be out in the same place with similar cameras, but would come back with completely different pictures because Oliver's idea of what to take a picture of is so different than Mike's and Oliver's framing and composition is very unique to him and he notices things that other people don't and takes pictures of things that other people don't take pictures of quite often. Pictures can be different in a different style. I always like to do uh, birds and landscape. Uh, I like trees, uh, not tattoos, stuff like that, really, that I love doing. He was aware that professional photographers have exhibitions. And so he said, can I have an exhibition? I want to have an exhibition, because that's what photographers do. So we thought, oh, OK, all right, well, we'll, we'll try and organise that then. So we organised a weekend exhibition and sale of his work in the village where we used to live in Somerset, thinking, oh, no, hopefully we'll, you know, at least we'll m maybe manage to break even. <laughs> and so many people came and so many people bought his pictures. It was such a wonderful event that that proved to us, I think, that really there was, there was some future here for him and that this was something that he could really do. And he was very excited and used the money that he made for us to have a, a holiday in Wales because he loves to go to Wales and takes take photographs in Wales. And then somebody said to me, you really need to set up a Facebook page for him. Media in the UK started covering Oliver and the Facebook page took off. Then Oliver and Wendy were invited to the United States. When Tennessee Tourism commissioned Oliver to capture the Smoky Mountains in his own style, um, they had an idea that it would be nice to introduce him to this local photographer, Ken Jenkins, who has grown up in the Smoky Mountains, and they thought it'd be nice for them to maybe spend half a day, a morning together, going out and taking pictures of the area, and for Ken to sort of show Oliver around. And, you know, this, this half a day turned into three days because... There was just, it was like a, a meeting of minds or a connection of souls or whatever it is you'd like to call it. But they just connected instantly over a bacon breakfast. Bacon is very important to Oliver. Uh, so they met, they met over a bacon breakfast and Oliver just asked Ken, so what kind of birds do you have here then? And that was it. They were away. talking about things that they both understood. And, and the wonderful thing was, you know, Ken had never met anybody like Oliver before, and Oliver had never met anybody like Ken before. But they connected because they both love nature, they both love birds, they are both photographers, they both love landscape and being outdoors, and, and they had so much to talk about. They connected instantly and just had a real understanding for each other. And Ken was so endeared by Oliver's openness and humour <laughs> um, that they had such fun together. The following year, Ken was able to come over here and they had a joint exhibition at the gallery in Terminal 5 of Heathrow, which was a fantastic collaboration. 
and Oliver and Ken were then able to go up to uh, Loch Lomond in Scotland and get some pictures up there together. And when Ken left, he wept, they both did, because they just, they love each other. It's quite simple. I think Ken described Oliver as the the little brother he'd never had. And that's, it's a really precious thing. So Oliver's, Oliver's relationship with Ken is a really, really precious thing to him. They are brothers across the ocean, I think. (laughs) Oliver now sells prints and greeting cards online. He likes to know where everybody lives. So whenever we get an order, he always says, what's the address? He likes to read the address and see where they've come from, (laughs) whether it's in the UK or whether it's abroad. He likes to know where his fans are and where it is that his, his pictures are going. As well as putting up Oliver's photographs on Oliver's Facebook page, we also put up bits about what he's doing and, and his everyday life. And there was a lady who contacted us who said, I had a, a little boy with Down syndrome just a few months ago and I've been very worried about, you know, all the things he might not be able to do. And my father, who lives a, a few miles away from us, lives out in the countryside and, and has a lake near him and loves to go fishing. And he keeps saying to me, I can't wait to take my grandson fishing. And I got really angry with him the other day and said, will you stop saying that, Dad? Because you know that, you know, you know you're never going to be able to take this grandson fishing because he's never going to be able to do that. She said, and I came onto your Facebook page and I see a, a whole set of pictures that you've just put up of, of your son reeling in carp <laughs> from a lake where he's been fishing today and managing to actually, you know, catch the fish, reel them in, put them in the landing net and everything. She said, and... It was so wonderful. I I had to send you a message to say, I've just rung my father and said, you will take him fishing. And I just just think if you can do that for one person, (laughs) let alone hundreds of people, that's just such a wonderful thing. And, And Oliver's life and achievements do that for so many other people. And then you have another whole host of people who actually have nothing to do with Down syndrome at all, but just really enjoy Oliver's pictures and the way he goes to somewhere, visits somewhere and takes all sorts of pictures, pictures of things that, you know, the underside of a, of a waterfall or a fountain that nobody else would have bothered to take pictures of. We have people who send messages to Oliver's page that say things like, I loved visiting that place with you today. A lady who is now no longer able to get about, who lives in the UK, she sends a message and says, Oliver, you are my eyes. I used to love to be able to go out and enjoy nature and now I'm housebound and I can't do that. So I come to your page and I see what you've seen today and what birds you've seen today and you are my eyes. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful what Oliver is able to do for other people. Nortaches, uh, pheasants, uh, blackbirds, stuff like that. Either the blackbird or the kinfisher, I think. They're my, one of my favourite classical birds. Our storytellers were Oliver and Wendy Hellowell. Oliver's first book of photographs is out now. The photographs are unexpected. A fierce owl, 
a jay who makes the grass nearby look teal. My favorite is just one swan head emerging from what seems like a sea of white feathers. The book is called Oliver's Birds, published by ACC Art Books. To see some of Oliver's photos and to support the show, go to humannaturepodcast.org. I'm Erin Jones. This episode was produced by me, with editing help from Megan Fury, Alex Schaefer, and Greg Ronco. Our executive producer is Micah Schweitzer. Anna Rader is our digital producer. And special thanks to Tom Lowe for recording in the UK. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human.